All right. So here we are in the studio for Professor Latinx podcast, and I have Eddie, Megan, and Emmy. We're going to talk about Catherine Bigelow's Hurt Locker 2008. Um, that really kind of was a remarkable movie in many ways, um, not just because it walked away with six Academy Awards, but uh, remarkable because really for the first time we have a woman director who's walking away with best picture, best um, director, and best original screenplay, right? Um, but uh, lots of stuff going on in this movie. And uh, I want to kind of just throw it out, this sort of first question out there. You know, this is, you know, belongs in a kind of a, a war genre, right? And, you know, here we have a woman director um, behind the camera, also sort of, you know, very hands-on with the, the shaping of the film, the narrative. Is there something different about this movie um, that we have a woman presence, such a strong presence, sort of shaping the story? Maybe I can um, throw this out to Megan to start us. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. One of my favorite things, and I kept thinking about it, was the ending. And how we expect from, like, especially a woman and a female, like, having that parental, like, just drive. And that's what you expect, especially from, like, a woman just wanting to be with your child. And then she said, no, I'm not going to give you what even, like, male directors in a war genre would give you. I'm going to give you realistic because this does happen. Like, so many men, like, or, like, military men, like, need that. And they need the war and they need the, like, high and stuff like that. And I just thought it was such, like, a crazy thing that she did and i love that she did that that she had that ending she didn't have him with his son and i just thought it was like my favorite parts about it yeah i agree i also think this movie is really interesting because instead of sort of like driving to one like climactic sort of battle scene or you know that sort of being like the driving force of the movie the sort of drive of it was more interpersonal between yeah. like the men in it um not to be like the standard like trope of like stand-up trope of like men are like this and then women are like this but i think mm -hmm. that you know um the fact that you know you do get a really sort of rounded and just imp like good imp sorry this is hard um <laughs> you get a more emotional sort of like core of the movie mm -hmm. um you get to know all of these men and their like fears and their you know desires and who they are super intimately through just like you know watching them in war mm -hmm. and I think that's kind of like a unique experience that I haven't really witnessed in cinema what do you think yeah. Eddie yeah I I agree about uh all that I believe that um see when I was watching the film I was just very captivated by each character normally when I see like you know those war movies it's like portraying all the men that are like really macho and stuff like this movie explored that some of them are like scared it really explored like their their breaking points like what actually like you know makes them tick um and also showed like the side that uh you know some people that are going out to war are seeking that thrill and they need it and it was just really it was really cool exploring you know the humanity of those characters yeah, that's really interesting. So the interpersonal, the exploration of kind of complex male masculinity, right? Yeah. In ways that we might not see or have seen in war movies. War movies that, you know, yeah, you have maybe, a, um, you know, the, the, the hero and then you have the sort of sidekicks and, but you don't, 
that the action, the narrative tends to be driven by, well, the action, right? Mm -hmm. The action and Mm -hmm. the shooting and the blowing up and the move to the next space and the blowing up and the shooting um, and not this real kind of interpersonal sort of narrative. So would we... Would we want to essentialize? Would we want to strip it down and say that there's a kind of female gaze or female shaping of the narrative here? I hate to do that, but there is something qualitatively different about this movie, right? Yeah. I Uh. think, um, like, so we were talking about, like, I feel like James is a character that, um, like, we want to think him think of him as only war driven because he's given that like outlook of like having the high and being cocky not cocky but like he like, throws his headset down but i feel like every single one of those moments since it doesn't build up to one big like war scene with a whole like you know group of people like especially the ending scene with the suicide bomber guy i just think that every single one of those big scenes just show how emotional he is and i guess that could be like the woman like stand back how she builds his character in such a non-stereotypical way that we don't almost don't even notice like we see him do things we're like oh my god that was like brave and that was beautiful and we can see his humanity behind her with the little boy and stuff like that when we kind of lose i feel like we kind of lose it not his humanity but like when he goes home when you expect him to be like women driven by his like wife which that's usually how war movies are like there's usually some type of like woman and they talk about him all the time but there's like a lack thereof and i think that's like a brilliant part of it Yeah, I totally agree with that. I also think that sort of the way that they approached the character, like Eldridge, um, Mm -hmm. was like kind of like it was very important that or the fact that the director was a woman kind of really affected that Mm -hmm. because like his fears and his, you know, anxieties, like in the eyes of the other characters weren't really like um, they weren't like made fun of and mm-hmm. his fears were validated by others you know what i mean around mm-hmm. him i'd say like w- during the scene with the british soldiers and when he's kind of freaking out about you know cleaning off the blood and stuff yeah. um well, like th- that's just sort of like i think that's Im- an important like moment yeah. for um James. James, yes. Like, when he comes down and helps him instead of being like, get your, you know, crap together, why aren't you, like, we need you right now, like, he comes down and, like, takes that time to be with him and yeah. help him out instead of making fun of him or something. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, and I just it's think... very effective. Yeah, totally. Um, I also really like the way she portrayed uh, the surroundings, the people, like, they weren't just, you know, these, these monsters that were always surrounding them. I think uh, the way she shaped that, you know, they're actual humans with, like, their own lives, you know, that are, you know, in just as much danger as these uh, people going out to fight. Um, And I think that in a lot of war movies, you don't, uh, you don't really see that. Right. No, that's really good, Um, Eddie. Sort of astute observation kind of takes us into issues of race and even maybe racism that's perpetuated in and through the genre of the war movie, right? The other as always, the kind of enemy, right? And Catherine Bigelow here with Hurt Locker. Yeah, of course, we have the bombers and the the, the intense moment um, with the guy, you know, with the vest on. But in the end, he's just a family man who's been forced into this situation, right? Yeah. And the time that it takes that Bigelow gives film time to that moment is really telling, Right. Yeah. It's an expensive scene, is in other words, right? Yeah, like the the whole time, like 
I know the I think Anthony Mackie's character kind of like downplayed the situation like oh yeah he's a family man why does he have like a bomb vest on like but like by the end of it like maybe you were thinking about that in the back of your head but I was like like I wanted him to live I just like I really felt bad like maybe he was pushed into this like it makes you think like about uh, what these people have to go through you know that maybe they're not all bad people maybe they're forced into it by like people that are you know I guess more threatening you know it's like that's just what I love that you know she brought a lot of humanity to these you know people in the situation yeah I think that scene was I don't know very like super strong because there was a point where he puts his hands down like after they told him to put his hands up and you were like he's gonna do what everyone thinks he's gonna do and he's gonna you know like grab him and blow him up and I think it was more emotional that he died like knowing that he was an innocent man I just thought that was great like she doesn't follow any stereotypes and I love it like as far as how everything plays out in the movie like just that scene was just heart-wrenching because you knew he was a family man in a way right the monster is war itself yeah right Mm -hmm. putting putting people human beings lives in situations that are basically annihilating and destructive right War is the monster in mm-hmm. this movie, not a not a people or right. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, for sure. That also sort of demonstrated with like the little boy and stuff, and sort of at the end when he like there's another little boy who's like selling DVDs. Or I was a little confused about that whether like was that really him or I don't think, I think it, it was just a different just like, a little replaced different boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and just sort of like the cyclical nature of like just everything around them is kind of constantly brought up like especially like even at the end where it's like 365 more days you know everything's just sort of like it not that it's um like this repetition is like it's like an effective repetition where it's just like it's like the same but like every day is like a different sort of like life just keeps going on despite the tragedies and stuff like that Mm -hmm, for sure yeah, I think we, t- we you know, we were we kind of getting at this with, you know, Bigelow's um, really attentive, you know, careful way that she recre- reconstructs, recreates the kind of mundane every day where there's a lot of, you know, just kind of life happening. And then you have these sudden kind of bursts of like extreme violence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is another, you know, we don't see like the war genre is like, you know, these kinds of big arcs with these big kind of heroic moments that lead to these triumphal kind of conclusions. And really, she's slowing it all down and saying, you know, actually, and using the handheld, right, um, mm-hmm. the sound design really emphasizing that. Um, everyday aspect of you know what what it's life like to live in a war zone like this for everyday people even mm-hmm. though it's focused on you know uh, William James as our protagonist um, Eddie was talking about you know kind of the importance of her also depicting the humanity and the variation of the varied sort of life of people on the ground there mm-hmm. um, so yeah I wanted to kind of ask you guys about um, the the actual filming itself and kind of you know this very physical right physicality of the the filming um you know and what the effect is of that with you guys you know the handheld that sense um why and you know where we're going with that i think um kind of the handheld and sort of the art of the shaky cam it's 
maybe to provide a very sort of uneasy, tense feeling. And um, I noticed this in Zero Dark Thirty as well, that she really likes, you know, um, being very intimate with the characters, as in the camera is very, very close to all your characters. Um, maybe, you know, she wants you to be very close to them in any situation, especially in, like, the the car bomb scene where he has to, you know, I think we watched it in class, where he has to um, disarm that. Like, the camera is very close to the action. She wants you to... Um, really be in that really tense situation. She wants you to be there. And that's just what I found, uh, like, very captivating and kind of, like, had goosebumps, like, the whole time watching. I mean, I feel like with the um, handheld camera, it also further, like, furthers the point of war being, like, the bad thing because you feel like you're in the movie and you see the people and you see the boy and you see him, like, get killed and you see, like, all the, like, evil event how it's not like the other people it's just like the it's just the war and you feel that there you're not like oh those are the bad guys like i hate them i'm rooting for this side you're like there and you're like dang like this really sucks this is horrible and i'm seeing people get killed like the family man and the boy and they don't deserve it and i get to watch them die like head on like it's just i don't know that was very effective yeah, I think the way the movie was sort of introduced was interesting because mm-hmm. it also used utilized like the like sort of um, handheld and a little shakier, but the way it was shot was a little bit more open mm-hmm. and like getting put into that world of just like of the people and the soldiers and like it was a little bit more open at the beginning, right? But then once we sort of got put into like the specific like world of the characters, it got a lot like the shots got more closed and like in on exactly like the in sorry i'm like just stumbling um it got in on the people like the soldiers specifically and like the situation at hand in more like detail and (laughs) and in more like intimate ways and i think that was a good way to start it because you know not not that it followed really most conventions like of war movies or anything but i think you know it was a good way to sort of drop us into this chaotic world and Mm -hmm. you know make it more intimate as it going on yeah the framing is really like close uh closed and very tight right to give us that sense of um kind of almost suffocation right Mm -hmm. um we're so sort of tightly in there in that space also like um since there's like plenty of scenes where uh they have to disarm the bomb or they're kind of like in between these like rows of like you know buildings like complexes the camera always like shifts to like people kind of like watching and stuff and every time it does that it's like these like eyes gazing at them and that really adds the the intensity because you know that there's like a lot of innocent people that are like kind of like watching the show and they're like uh interested but then you have that thing in the back of your mind like there might be, like, an actual terrorist maybe, like, watching there as well. One of them maybe, like, um, is planning to trigger something. or It's, like, always just, you know, adding to that, like, um, like tensity to the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, for sure. I agree. And I think, like, definitely, like, the way that um, people are shot and, like, sort of, like, the lighting is important. Like, there is this one, yeah. like, scene where, like, like this guy was like not really well lit and it was just sort of like a question of like who is he and I think I always was always kind of it was hard for me to follow like oh like are 
these people sort of, you know, are they just like watching or are they just are they sort of conspiring? There's always like that question. And I think that helps, you know, that's a big part of like being put into the world because that's like the perspective of the soldiers. Like they don't know, like all they know is just like what they see. And it's I think it's a good way of, you know have it it's like a good point of view yeah it adds, it adds to that sense of you know you can see the the way the characters are constructed that they care they're soldiers they're in this sort of space of war um but they they care for human beings and yet at the same time they have to be on guard constantly because they just don't know like one of those people looking on could be someone that's actually going to, you know, in their life, right? Yeah, really effective way of intensifying that kind of sense along the way. It's crazy that it's 2008 and when this comes out and um, for the Oscars for the 2008, the first time that we get a woman who gets the Best Picture Award, a Best Picture um, Oscar Award, um, isn't that surprising to you guys? I don't know. I mean, yeah. why not? Why not? <laughs> I don't know. I just, I mean, I follow Oscar's history at times and like, you know, it often, you know, wants to keep up certain like precedents and unintentionally, I guess. I mean, like I remember, I think it was 2016, like the Oscar so white thing. It's just like people don't really notice whenever, you know, underrepresented groups haven't really, um, been like represented in award shows and stuff until those like groups sort of like pointed out I guess and I think it's getting better now but I mean I think throughout most of Oscars history like in regards to like race and gender it's you know the academy has been run by like a, you know mostly white men and it's not that surprising to me at least I don't know I just I don't know I, I just love the movie and I think that she fully deserved it and I I don't know. I just think she worked really hard for it, and it was a very neat thing. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I haven't really looked into the history of that, but I definitely think she she, she deserved it. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's a, it is an incredible movie, right? Um, really kind of um, changed the game for this kind of story. And, Eddie, you mentioned Zero Dark Thirty that came out in 2012. And in a way, I mean, Hurt Locker... We needed Hurt Locker to be able to tell that story yeah. in the way that it's told, right? Yeah. And, you know, finally we even have, like, a woman protagonist, right? Mm-hmm. Maya. Um, and, you know, there are men, of course. It's a kind of like a man's world. But she's really the one kind of running the show, right? Yeah. Pretty remarkable. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Emmy, going back to your sort of 2016, gosh, after tw- 2008 when this came out, um, I was like, oh, wow, we're going to have like the Bigelow effect and we're going to start seeing a lot more women being recognized and women, you know, behind the stories, uh, writing the stories recognized uh, behind the cameras and so on. And, and in fact, we didn't. Right. Kind of getting to your point. It's still been kind of, you know, chugging along business as usual as much as we've been trying to, to kind of make things change. I know. Gina Davis and others have really been at the forefront of, you know, trying to bring awareness to the <laughs> fact that the industry is dominated by men and also kind of stories in and around men, <laughs> um, stories that supposedly appeal to 
cinema goers that are 18 to 25 who they claim to be the ones that are, you know, buying the tickets. Mm -hmm. But I mean, right? We know that's not the case. Just from our own experiences, right? I just think that's disappointing. Like, the fact because, like, personally, I feel like if you, like, seeing that in 2008, like, she didn't win that from some type of emotional movie or emotional driven movie or even with, like, female characters in it. There's, like, one female character. And I would feel like if you saw that, like, a woman winning from a war genre, like, out of the blue, I feel like they could have done anything and then it just dropped off. It's just frustrating because she was at the very top of, like, when I feel like you could win, like, for war genre and stuff like that and blew it out of the water and then... Yeah, that's true. I'm glad you brought that up, Megan. So what kinds of movies do we, like, have we come to expect of women directors or uh, women in sort of the front of the camera? I think what um, the stereotype is that if you have a woman director, you want to, like, you'd expect there to be like a lot of like I guess feminine cliches that are you know paired with the movies and that's not you know always true and you can see that with Bigelow's films Mm -hmm. it wasn't some like surprisingly strong female character or something like that that's just what we usually see Yeah. yeah I mean the first thing that comes to mind for me is like emotional coming of age moment um which I guess this kind of it I mean there is that like not really but I mean in a way that can sort of that's kind of a big umbrella term but just more but, emotional things yeah just like yeah less you know like driven by or just i'd say yeah like emo- an emotionally driven narrative mm-hmm. um or like yeah Maybe character-driven or something. Mm-hmm. Or like, um, you know, I'm thinking Thelma and Louise, which was a big kind of movie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because you fi- we finally had two women protagonists, and, you know, the men were accessories um, and even caricatures, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, like, Hollywood creates this movie, and people don't know what to do with it because, like, they're seeing men mm-hmm. in the ways that women have been traditionally portrayed, right? Um um, but there was also pushback against that movie. There was a lot of controversy. I know you guys weren't born when that came out, but basically, right, people were like, oh, well, look, now now that you've got women in front of the camera, um, you can't represent men in a really interesting way. Like, it has to be caricatures, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of like, what? Hold on. No, actually, this is really smart writing, and we're not interested in the men. Mm-hmm. basically, right? We're interested in these two women and their relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's hard because it's like, when I think that's it, that's a really interesting case because it's just like a complete like trope shift, right? And it's it's really an interesting juxtaposition. And it's like, it's it's hard because, you know, as we've been learning in class, there's, you know, there's around characters and there's flat characters. Like not every character can or should be like very like fleshed out or you know dimensional I guess Mm -hmm. and I think you know who you choose who like what characters people like directors and like screenwriters stuff choose to be sort of like fleshed out is an important choice you know yeah okay I'm gonna ask you guys I'm gonna push us off topic really quick 2012 when Zero Dark Thirty came out was also the year that Hunger Games came out and um, so, you know, female lead and pff, lo and behold, everyone's surprised because the movie like 
made bank, right? Mm -hmm. But what was that experience for for you guys when you when Hunger Games came out? What was that moment like? Because you know, finally, like maybe we're thinking the world will realize that yeah, women go see movies. I don't know what was it like for you, Emmy. I remember I was like I was into it. I loved I was I loved the books. Um, I remember going to the movie and I was super stoked. Um, yeah, I I don't I think I don't really know exactly like why I was really stoked on it. Um, I, I it might have been because of like the I don't know because I mean when I was like a twelve year old I didn't really have like a sophisticated like conception of you know like feminist film like tropes i guess it's like hard to get back into that world i think i just thought it was i just thought dystopia was really cool and i was like divert well divergent was worse but a lot worse but i don't know i think yeah i mean something i actually recently rewatched this movie and i remember like i think something like just like the it it also was like a complete trope reversal like pedo was super useless or like (laughs) like he was like portrayed as like kind of like the damsel in distress in louise sense yeah he was Mm -hmm. kind of like the damsel in distress i think and that was kind of i don't know Mm -hmm. what did you think about it i don't know i love i love the movies i'm sure i didn't have any complex ideas at that time but i like that she is like a very like a not emotionless character but she's just like a boss character like Katniss is a boss yeah. character and she does what she has to like she wasn't handed anything and we just see like raw moments of a woman like fighting and like killing and stuff like that and I think it was just refreshing I guess yeah, yeah so uh when that movie came out <laughs> I wasn't I guess I wasn't really you know paying attention to a lot of the the the, the politics and that stuff you know when I when I see a movie I, I don't care like who the char- like the main character is. You could be have a woman, you could have a man. I just want like really good character writing. I want to see like human characters, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think that when I watched that movie, I haven't seen it in a long time, but that movie really delivered that with Katniss. Like I wanted her to succeed. I I, I would just you know I fell in love with her character. Um, and I felt like there weren't um, you know those those cliche tropes. Like yeah, Peta. I wouldn't say he was useless no, in that sorry. sense. Yeah, he had, like um, he had his he had uh, his talents with like the the camouflage and stuff. Yeah. So like it utilized that. Like not you know he he wasn't just like a useless character. They didn't show that like oh just because like he's not um, you know ready for this war and this like you know big boy <laughs> stuff like that. He's like uh, you know useless. He it showed that he had like you know, his his talents that are like uh, useful for like. Um, for survival, which you, you saw. So I just, I, I like, basically, it, it had great character writing. Yeah. I probably didn't explain Did that very well. Uh, sorry. No, sense. you're good. I'm so, I don't, I didn't mean that, I don't believe that PETA was no, useless. Yeah, yeah. But I, I revised that statement. I also, like, I actually really, I we walk, literally watched this over fall break because I was, like, feeling nostalgic. And I don't know, something that's sort of, like, outside of the, something that's actually kind of cool about this movie is sort of, like, within like the world of the hunger games um there isn't really like gendered bias i remember yeah. like because like it was there wasn't like a sense of like oh you know katniss is a girl so her chances are lower like no yeah. like everyone was like 
equally good at child killing yeah. like d- yeah. despite gender but yeah i mean i think also when you're like a tween you know sort of like the horror of that movie of like uh of like the actual like revolution in politics of mm-hmm. it didn't really like res- resound uh, yeah. but like i think the the sort of gender dynamics of that movie and book and stuff were kind of you know in that sense of like anyone could win like there's not really yeah it's kind of, yeah don't want to like talk about it like it's like a reality show it's like <laughs> should be invested in but i think that sort of is cool it is interesting though yet again right that we didn't have the katniss effect right i mean Mm -hmm. this amazing moment where you think producers are like okay let's start making you know more movies with you know women protagonists and there have been more for Mm -hmm. sure but still if you look at the kind of big picture it's still a drop in the bucket um but yeah, okay, so my final sort of ask on this would be, and you know, I don't know how familiar you guys are with it, but Patty Jenkins, you know, um, what did Wonder Woman, right? Um, and then we finally got, you know, we got our Captain Marvel. Um, people sort of upset about that, right, when that came out because it wasn't a dude. But um, I, we have been seeing some more leads that are women and maybe more leads that are even um, sort of complicated. I know when I read, when I saw Captain Marvel, I definitely read you know her kind of in a um uh, same-sex partner relationship or at least you know (laughs) as much as it could be in a a mainstream comic book movie i thought that was really interesting but are you guys recognizing any sort of films or being kind of you know like is anything remarkable come to mind where you have female leads or female writers women writers um um, I know TV's really exploding, right? Sort of cable network, uh, network, but also the sort of streaming platforms. We have a lot of really interesting stuff that's happening. Um, Lena Dunham, uh, right? Her girls was a kind of a big kind of radical shift um, where maybe the stakes aren't so high. But anything come to mind for you guys in terms of, you know, women directed, written, uh, led movies or story, visual, auditory stories? Um, I mean, I'm kind of like a stereotypical film kid in the sense that like I'm very like A24 like I loved Lady Bird in like eighth grade and stuff like that eighth grade was probably like my favorite movie because I don't know I think yeah I I, those are the ones that sort of come to mind but those are kind of more indie and I guess not as in the mainstream but they are sort of like in mainstream award shows I guess yeah for sure I was not even pleased with that movie. I probably should go back and rewatch it. I feel like everybody else was pleased with it, and I was not. Wait, eighth grade or Lady Bird? Lady Bird. Lady Bird, yeah. I, I feel bad. Yeah, those are the ones that... I don't know. Mm. It, I just think, like... It, yeah, it's hard. I'm trying to think of Greta more. Greta Gerwig, yeah. I feel like a lot of TV shows either... They've started to do more lead female roles, and either they're super sexualized or... Um, they're like stupid Mm. (laughs) and that's horrible but like i feel like there's not many just like girls like just women like women-led shows that aren't like super sexualized like badass or Mm -hmm. something or like it's not like very honestly women like we have so many films about men that are just like growing of age men and stuff like that but it's either like they talk about men the whole time or they're like super sexualized or you know like whatever it's not like a lot of just relatable stuff i think they're they're stupid or like sexy or something mm-hmm. hypersexualized yeah mm-hmm. um still getting the kind of girl next door or the super sexualized one right yeah like she can kick yeah. ass but she's in like no clothes right sure 
Eddie, how about you as a, as a dude here watching movies and stuff? Um, yeah, I think uh, things I've noticed, you know, Lady Bird, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, uh, Hidden Figures, which... Uh, oh, gosh, I, yeah, so good. Yeah, I have not seen that one. I probably should, but yeah, Hidden Figures, um, which is probably, that was a really uh, big one. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with the uh, the statement that there's like a lot more... You know, female leads in uh, television, and you know, there's a lot of times it's like really good. I heard Big Little Lies. That's like an all-female cast. I heard that's like a really well-written show. And then there's like, like you mentioned that there's like, um, they're either hypersexualized or, or just you know, badly written. <laughs> and I think that uh, if we want to, you know, combat that, we just we need better writing. You know, yeah, just better writing. <laughs> Maybe like actually women, yeah. they're Maybe doing women the writing. The yeah. female characters. <laughs> yeah. I, I remembered a couple more. Um, I think Euphoria is kind of an example of like that. teens, like kind of, it's kind of like, oh, like really heightened, like teen experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't really watched it either, but I know that there is a lot of women and like representation in that. Yeah. Um, also Midsummer and, uh, like the shape of water are like <laughs> two of my faves. Yeah. I know, like, yeah, th- they have their own. Isu- they have their own issues with like, mm-hmm. you know. I've heard critiques of like Midsummer, like, oh, like she's only like sort of defined by her trauma and stuff, and of yeah. But I don't know. I like them. Yeah, I like those movies, and they have women in them. Yeah. So I think we can say though that we still have a long way to go, right? Yeah, um, it's getting better, but you know we still have a long. And way And I to think go. some yeah. of it still has to do with the audience. Like I feel like a lot of either female or male writers feel like they can't write such authentic things without it being a drop, or they fear it. I don't know if that would actually happen or not, but I think it's a fear, and they're just doing what they know it's gonna work and if that's like dumb sexualized women then that's what works or like traumatic like traumatized women like that's what works well yeah producers have a lot of power in fact um because they're the ones bringing the money right Mm -hmm. they're generating the money and so in fact Catherine, to bring us right round back to Catherine bigelow as we wrap this up you know she very deliberately um distanced herself and cut herself off from producers and she figured out the money herself the 15 million to bankroll Hurt Locker to make the movie she wanted to make right. and not have someone come in and say no no you need to change the ending or right the typical thing yeah. which would have been to end that movie as we talked about with with Jeremy Renner's character William James holding the baby and that's it cut mm-hmm. right end but no she ends it the way she wants it um, I know that there was a lot of pressure on her to do things with her earlier movies like Strange Days, Point Break, et cetera, to satisfy right those who were bankrolling it um, mm-hmm. because they have this idea that a certain only a certain kind of movie is going to make the money. Yeah. And we know that, um, in fact, Hurt Locker proved everybody what we already know, which is good storytelling, good characterization. And coming from a, a woman director, um, you know, someone who's sensitive, knows how to make really good movies. And, yeah, look, it walked away with six Oscars. Amazing editor who is also a woman, um, Chris Innes, um, um walking away also with an Oscar. So, yeah, let's give other people a chance to get in there to shape the stories. And maybe we'll start actually, you know, having better stories out yeah. there for us to spend <laughs> our money on. And I think it's something like the... Like, I feel like we could say that it wasn't, like, a gender-driven 
movie. Like, she could have made it. Um, I think it was something that the entire world can discuss about, and that's war. Not one side, not the other, not one gender, not the other. It is, like, what is, like, how do we feel about war? And, like, is it necessary, and what does it do to societies? I thought it was great. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, Emmy, Megan, and Eddie, for joining me for this podcast, Professor Latinx. Thanks.